0: Hello, Renoites listeners, and welcome to this week's episode of Renoites. My name is Connor McQuibby. I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me this week on the podcast. I'm very excited to welcome Jesse Janesey. Jesse is the communications director for The Generator. The Generator is the arts space where a lot of the large scale Burning Man sculptures come from. It's a place where a lot of traveling artists call their home when they're here for Burning Man but also local artists. They have classes. It's a great place for people to learn the basics of woodworking, metalworking, all types of artistic activities. They've just moved into a new location in the Audi district. And I was really grateful that Jesse came on the show to tell me all about what the generator does. They have some great events coming up, the punk rock flea market, which I am hoping to be a vendor at really looking forward to this conversation. And thank you for joining us. Also huge. Thank you to everybody who came to the Renoites anniversary party On March 10th, I had an anniversary party at the Brewer's Cabinet Production Facility. It was so, so fantastic to see a bunch of previous guests, listeners. We all really had a great time, and I'm so grateful that everyone came. It was such a great evening, such a fun event. So thank you for being there, if you were. This week's episode is brought to you by DJ Trivia. As you know, I host DJ Trivia at several venues around town. You can find the full list at djtrivianevada.com. Follow DJ Trivia on Facebook and Instagram, It's free to play. We have almost 20 games a week at venues all around town, so find the venue closest to you. Find a host that you like. Come join us. It's always a lot of fun. There's prizes for the winning teams. That's DJTriviaNevada.com or DJTriviaNevada on Facebook or Instagram. This week's episode also brought to you by This Is Reno, our local news source. Bob Conrad and This Is Reno do such a fantastic job of covering local events. Recently in the news, just in the last week or so, there was a big story about the CEO of Renown being fired from his job. This is Reno was basically the only local news source that got the details, that was doing all of the coverage, the investigative reporting that wasn't happening from our other local news sources. If you really want to know what's happening for the most important issues in town, please make sure you follow This is Reno. You can find them on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or thisisreno.com. Again, that's thisisreno.com. As always, if you have any suggestions for guests, for episode ideas, I would love to hear them. There are only two episodes left this season, then I'm going to take a little break and come back in May, but I'd like to know who you want to hear on the show, who have you enjoyed so far, what episodes are your favorite. Let me know. I want to make sure that the show is the best it can be. Email me anytime. Connor, C-O-N-O-R, at renoites.com. And now, this week's guest, from The Generator, it's Jesse Janesee. Jesse Sprocket Janesee, welcome to Renoids. Thank you so much for coming (laughs) on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I did your podcast already. You are the communications director for The Generator, and you have a podcast, and I was excited to be able to talk to you a couple weeks ago. And now I'm excited to have you on my show to learn all about The Generator, because I only know a little bit about The Generator. I know it's an art space. I know that it has a lot of strong ties with the Burning Man community for some of these large-scale sculptures. But I really want to know about all of the different things The Generator does. You just moved into a new location. So you are the perfect person to talk to about The Generator. What is The Generator? How would you describe it for someone who's never heard of it before? All I can say is art space, but that is a very, very vague description. So what is The Generator? Yeah.
1: So yeah, I mean, we are an art space. We're a community maker space. What that means is we're kind of this like giant space full of many different art supplies and things that people can do, but we're very community-based. So we have like hundreds of members and different projects that come through the space and everyone works together and shares their their experience and their expertise and um, their thoughts. And together we make better art and become better
0: people. Mm -hmm. So who is the generator for? Is it a space for existing working artists to connect with other artists? Is it for people who are craftspeople and need the tools or equipment to build the things that they build? Is it for people who are new to art? Is there kind of a education and DIY component? Who do you see coming to the generator? Who's the, who's it for? It's really
1: for everybody. You know, sometimes we'll have like a traveling artist or an international artist that needs just a space to put something together. And we're here for that. Sometimes we'll have the grandpa woodworker who's like, I wanna make something bigger and I can't fit it in my garage. Sometimes we'll have like a group of people I want to do a stitch and bitch and they want to like sit in our you know our lounge and just like stitch together but then also we have a lot of people who come and they're like i just want something new in my life i want to learn a new skill i want to take an aerials class or i've always wanted to get into printmaking or i you know i've had this sewing machine i got it for christmas four years ago and i never opened the box and i just need somebody to like walk me through it so it seems less scary so we're here for all levels, but we also are here for, um, for kids and for families too. Something that's really magical that happens is um, people will bring in their preteens or their teens and just kind of be like, oh, my, you know, my kids getting to this age where they want something new, they want a new community and they want something outside of just their school peer group. And they come in and they start working on a project or taking a class or whatever, and they get connected with this community and suddenly they kind of become an artist. It's really interesting. We've actually had one girl that came in as just a teenager that was interested in art. And now she's at UC Berkeley studying engineering because she just loved making sculpture. So that happens too, all different things. And little kids, you know, it's, it, it runs the gamut for real.
0: That's awesome. What kind of resources are there for people who come into the generator? So I know it's it's a large space and you have, like you said, there's equipment, there's a wood shop, there's metalworking, there's the tools that people need, right? So, is it mostly about the space? Is it the tools? Is it the the people, resources, the education? Are there employees or volunteers who are doing classes? So, like, what are the resources that people can expect when they they come in the door? What do you What are those offerings?
1: Uh, yes, <laughs> it's all those <laughs> offerings. Yeah, we have hundreds of tools, and we have seventy thousand square feet of space. So, you know, just even being able to do something larger and have like four table surfaces is really unique and amazing. And then we have a CNC plasma, we have a CNC router, and we have a laser cutter and some kind of more um, like industrial equipment that you wouldn't have access to really at home. And then of course, also all the people. So we have classes, but then we just also have an amazing group of hundreds of artists that are here collaborating and working. And what happens a lot is, someone will just kind of come over and be like, oh, have you thought about doing it this way? Or they'll see you struggling and they'll be like, hey, if you just like change this setting on the welder, it's gonna be a lot easier for you. You know, just little things like that, which are amazing. And then more formal trading as well. And another thing that's really cool that happens a lot is kind of like this cross-pollination. So you've got like a painter and a sculptor in the same place or a woodworker and a metalworker in the same place. And suddenly those people will start working together and making things that neither of them really was capable of doing solo. And then suddenly their work is like exponentially more amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. And you mentioned kids. And that was one of the questions that I had is kind of what are the offerings for kids and not just what are the offerings, but also why do you think that's important? You know, you have your own kids. I know the generator has like a STEM steam box, I guess, that mm-hmm. is like work at home projects for kids. So why is that a priority of a generator? Why is that included in the offerings? Generally, like why do you think art is important for young people?
1: First of all, I would say we're moving in that direction because I have kids. I think that like actually really made us force us into that direction. Before there was nobody on staff. Um, well there's Kylie who is our accountant, but there was no one on the core staff that had children. So once I started making offspring. I was like, we gotta get better about this. we ha- kids are in the space now. They always were before, but we just kind of weren't as thoughtful about them. You know, they were just around. So now we have an education director, and she's really focused on making amazing programming, bringing kids in, bringing in the Boys and Girls Club and the Girl Scouts and all different engineering groups from local high schools and stuff like that, and collaborating. And going out into those schools in different places and bringing maker education there as well. For me, I think that hands-on learning is like incredibly important. It's how a lot of us think and are able to like learn better. Also, it's stuff that we're not teaching as much in schools. I mean, when I was younger, I got to take a shop class, like a wood shop class. And that was a really big deal for me. I never made it to metal shop, but I often think about how much better my life would have been if I had gotten into that in high school instead of when I was like in my late 20s. So
0: Mm -hmm. yeah, it does seem there's this overlap between arts and I guess crafts and making things and building, you know, there's visual artists and there's all different types of artists, but it seems like the generator is very focused on this building and working with your hands and constructing things, which is missing, I think, from a lot of our education and from young people, like the trades are not as much of a focus For a lot of people, it's always about college, about education, and there's a lot to learn about how to build things and how to make things that is really valuable skills. Is that something that is intentional about the way the generator works, that there is a focus on working with your hands and building physical skills as well as just artistic or creative knowledge?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, we started as a place for Burning Man projects. Like we were, people were already here making things for Burning Man and doing so in like a dank warehouse. So the need just was there. And there was a group of excited people who stepped up and like made it happen, you know, made a a space and then opened that space up to everybody, not just people doing Burning Man stuff. So that's where we began, which is why that's kind of the thread that goes through everything that we do here is really it was all about collaborating community working together on these bigger sculptures with hands on stuff but now we've evolved to this point where we're like yeah we really want to teach welding we want to teach woodworking we want to be doing those industrial arts also because going to college doesn't necessarily get you a good job anymore you know it's not paying off your student loan debt and mm-hmm. you know it is like becoming a sheet metal worker, you know, becoming a carpenter, like all those things are in super high demands and we need more people doing it. And we have the equipment here and we can teach you how, you know, or at least get you interested and then pass you on to like TMCC or the career college of Northern Nevada or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always think that entry level is really important for any of these kind of things. Like where do you start? How do you begin? For someone like myself, I've no experience at all with building any of these kind of things or knowing how to use any of these tools. So having a space that is open to amateurs, that is welcoming to people who know basically nothing, I think is probably a really valuable asset to the community. You know, a place to start for people who want to dip their toe in the water. Is that the vibe at the generator for people who come in knowing nothing? Is it a welcoming space? Is it a good opportunity for people to kind of learn from the beginning?
1: Absolutely. We are working really hard to create this new programming called the Generator University. And the thought behind it is that you're going to come in and you're going to know nothing. And by the end of going through our programming, you'll know how to step into any metal shop, wood shop, mixed use like textile space or tech space. And at the very least, feel comfortable, feel like you're familiar with the basic tools that are in front of you, that you know how to operate them on like an intermediate level, and you uh, know like the safety and the language to even go forward. That's the goal with this new thing that we're putting together. And I think it's going to be really powerful. I think it's going to be amazing to take a, a whole generation of people and put them through this interesting programming that really is comprehensive look at it from a different perspective of not just a very concrete, like I'm going to weld a pipe today, you know, but also spatially artsy practically all together. Mm-hmm. So that should be really cool. I'm stoked about it. We did some metal classes at the old space and woodworking classes, you know, and one of the things that I thought was really cool is this rancher dad came and brought his like four teenage sons to our basic stick welding class. He just wanted his kids to know how to like fix the fence gate you know, like how to fix the cow corral and stuff Mm. like that. And I was like, oh, these people are perfect because they're not coming here for an art thing. They're coming here for a practical farm thing. And it's really amazing that we can serve both people in the same classroom, you know, and we're getting them together so that they can be talking and sharing experiences.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. You mentioned Burning Man. I know there's that strong connection with the generator and Burning Man. The first place that I heard of the generator, I used to do reno food tours it was a walking tour around downtown and we would go to restaurants but we'd also talk about all of the public art and stuff and this was right after the space whale was first installed and that was one of our stops we would say this thing was on the playa at burning man and it was made right here in town at the generator in sparks it's this art space so i've always associated the generator with the large scale sculptures from burning man a lot of them which we see in town now Can you just talk a little bit about the connection between the Burning Man arts community and the Generator and also the Reno area in general? Obviously, we are the closest city to Burning Man. So there is a lot of connection between the Burning Man arts culture and Reno's arts culture. And I think the Generator has been kind of right in the middle of that, especially with these large sculptures. So can you just talk a little bit about kind of the Burning Man influence on Reno's art and how the Generator has played into that?
1: Uh, I kind of want to preface this by being like, how does Burning Man work, right? So it's a large-scale art festival, uh, even though everybody hates calling it a festival, but whatever, that's another thing we could talk about another day. (laughs) But it's really art-driven, and a lot of large-scale sculptures go out there. So these really massive, we're talking like, you know, like the space whale, 50 feet tall, 100 feet tall, like just huge sculptures, in my perception of that now, like anything under 20 feet seems like a small sculpture to me because I'm just so used to like, I make things on a really massive scale. Mm -hmm. Um, and so to make art at that level, you have to have a space that's humongous, which is how we got started. There was a bunch of people working in the salvagery, which was like a leaky warehouse on fourth street. And a couple people were like, Hey, this is really cool. There's like, really wealthy people working alongside houseless people. And there's just like an awesome collaborative community of all different types of people working together for a common goal of making something beautiful. This seems like a worthy thing to support and build on. So that's how we got started and became more of a real space. So now we make between, I would say, five and 30 Burning Man sculptures a year coming out of the generator, which is pretty impressive. You walk around the playa and I, from any vantage point, can point to like four different sculptures that came out of our space. And we also are kind of a haven for international artists. So people will fly here about a month before Burning Man from all over the world, South Africa, all over Europe, all over Asia, and they'll come here and they'll ship all their materials here and they'll work together. In that last month, we'll have people from all over the world working side by side to make art together. It's really cool. It's also really funny to see like who clicks with who and like who doesn't get along, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like who's eating in the you know kitchen like, oh, like New Zealand is eating in the kitchen right now with South Africa. You know, it's amazing, but it also feels like a hostel and is crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's got to be fun to have this variety of artists before Burning Man all kind of coming together in this space and getting to know each other and work together. And I'm sure that some of the the camaraderie and the cooperation and stuff that Burning Man is known for, I'm sure is echoed at the generator in the months leading up to it, right?
1: Absolutely. It's, a, it's like, really, it's a beautiful, magical thing that I don't think you actually see any place else in the U.S., like, I have so many friends from all different places all over the world now, too, from that experience. It would actually be a really cool thing for a documentary, I feel like. Someone mm-hmm. should do that someday.
0: <laughs> uh, you. You can do it.
1: <laughs> no. Do not volunteer me.
0: Busy enough, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you're in a new space now, right? The generator was in a different location in Sparks and has recently moved to what was formerly a Lowe's, right? So there's a new space is it bigger? Is it better? Is it different? Can you talk a little bit about the difference between the previous generator space and the new space?
1: Yeah. So it's way bigger. We were about 30, 35,000 square feet. Um, now we're 70. You know, not everyone's good with what that means. It's basically we're the entire lumber yard of a Lowe's, if you can kind of visualize that in your brain. Yeah, I mean, it's way bigger and more spacious, and we're going to be able to fit a lot more artists. So now we'll have, we're thinking like 55 artist studios, and that'll just be people that are like permanently here working, and they'll have like six month kind of residencies at a time, as well as we'll have the metal shop in the wood shop, textiles, our tech area, and um, we have some offices as well, and communal hangout spots too, and a co-working space. So lots of stuff. We're also going to have a lot of project space. So we're hoping to have, I think, like 10 or 12 Burning Man projects in here at the same time as we have 55 artists working in their studios. And then just like the day-to-day members who come in and just like bring their work here and then go home, you know, whether mm-hmm. they're co-working or they're in the tech lab, maybe working on a giant tablet, doing some graphic design work, or they're in the textile shop making a new outfit or whatever. We've been close since 2020, so... For me, it's crazy to think that in a month, this place is going to be full of hundreds of people for the first time in two years. Mm -hmm. I think it's like not fully even in my brain yet. (laughs) Not ready.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's exciting though, especially having been down for so long and you know everyone I'm sure was waiting for the comeback, waiting for it to open again, waiting for that space. So being on the verge of that happening has got to be really exciting.
1: Yeah, I think... Everybody's mental health has really suffered during the lockdown, you know, in general. And I always like to talk about the generator as a third space. You know, people have their home and they have their work, and then they have a third space. Usually, like everybody should. If you don't have a third space, start thinking about it. It might help you. Um, And for some people, that third space is like church, you know. And for us, it's really this space. You know, it's our our maker space. So I think for all of us going through so much kind of heartache and separation over the last two years, not having this third space where we could go and get away from it all has been just so difficult. And I know for me as a, as a person, I'm just like, as a human, I need that. Also just like as a mom as well. So not having anybody here to like check in with me as an artist and collaborate with me and just like see me has been really, really hard. And I think I could say that for like most of our community. Yeah, so it's going to be this like beautiful, healing, coming back together, you know, like, uh, it's going to be, and it's like right at springtime. I think it's going to be really good.
0: That's awesome. That's very exciting. The location of the new generator is not an accident. It has been presented as central to the Audi district, to this part of Reno. And there's a lot of expectation of kind of building and community around the space that the generator is in, not just inside the building, but kind of the neighborhood in general. Can you talk a little bit about what that is expected to look like about the generator's place in the, the neighborhood that it's located in now and kind of the intentions there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Something I want to address like that's the most important is um, just the gentrification vibe. Ugh, I don't even know. Like gentrification as a whole is just a thing that's happening because of capitalism and real estate markets. And it's really like a force that unfortunately is like difficult to curb and Mm -hmm. comes along with like as a city grows and gets more popular. Unfortunately, like part of us making art and Burning Man and everything is that Reno got more popular. It's really often that it happens this way where like artists are here and they make it cooler and then more people want to come. And we like fuel the thing that actually stamps us out. You know, we got evicted from our last place because they sold the building and we couldn't afford to be there anymore. Like we priced ourselves out basically. So now we're in this new neighborhood with all new people and we're really excited about it. My kid goes to school a block away, like three of our staff members live really close by. I just, I feel like there's a perception that this is like, we're coming in and and we're going to mess up this neighborhood. And I just want to be really clear that we are like, being really thoughtful. We care a lot. We've always been in Sparks. We've been around for eight years, you know, in Sparks. We want the best for everybody. We want the best for like our community that we're bringing in, but also our community is like in this community. I think we could all work together to make this really beautiful and like help everybody like rise up and, you know, combat the things that are kind of ripping us apart here. So I don't know how to fix the housing crisis, but I just want to say like, please, we're not the enemy. Don't think of us as the enemy because we're here for you. Like mm-hmm. it's a community space and this is literally just for you guys. Like if you guys don't show up and, and want to work here, like if the neighborhood doesn't want to come in and use our our space, then we should just close the doors mm-hmm. because this is not a space for anybody but that. So
0: yeah. With the uh, topic of gentrification, I think if something is going to be a new central feature that drives people to a neighborhood. It's probably good that it is a community art space and not like plopping down a Walmart. There's the type of yeah. gentrification that is really just purely commercial and corporate. And I would say soulless to a degree, but that doesn't feel like what is happening in the Audi district. It does seem a little more thoughtful to put something like the generator as a main driver of that neighborhood rather than, you know, some big chain enterprise kind of thing.
1: Yeah, for sure. Instead of it being a big box store. Absolutely. When I lived in Portland, they put like a New Seasons in North Portland, which if you've never been over there, it's a traditionally black neighborhood. And they put in a New Seasons and put in a bunch of like apartments, you know, like high rise apartments, like fancier ones, fancier condos. You probably already know what I'm talking about, but for those Mm -hmm. that haven't been over there. And what struck me the most about watching the gentrification of that neighborhood was that the people that lived there and had lived there for generations could not afford to buy groceries at the New Seasons. And I was like, man, this is the most obvious thoughtless construction. You know, this was like a, a food desert and they put food there, but they put food there that was like not obtainable for the people that live there. Right. Cause they didn't give a shit about them and they wanted them to leave so that they could sell these bigger apartments. So I don't know. I've, I'm just saying, like I've seen it firsthand. I know it's really heartbreaking, and we are we're not a new seasons, so, you know, like <laughs> yeah. And we're also going to do a, a discounted a discounted membership price for the, for the neighborhood too. So if you live close by, it'll be cheaper. And we have a residency program every six months. It's for different people from the neighborhood, and it's going to be free for them. So we're really super trying. And also, if you have more ideas of how we could do it better, please email me. You know, mm-hmm. we're really open and we're talking about making like a community advisory board too. So yeah, I just want us to be like really transparent and really easily accessible and and uh, working together. Mm-hmm.
0: That's great. Yeah. You mentioned Portland. I used to live in Portland. You have lived in Portland. What do you think that you've learned from living in one of those, you know, hip growing, getting more expensive cities. And then now you're here in Reno, which is Turned into and turning into a hip growing, getting more expensive city. Do you think there's lessons to be learned from the way that Portland grew and changed, your experience living there? Like, what do you bring from your Portland experience to your time in Reno?
1: You know, going back to what I was saying about that cowboy dad welding alongside a bunch of artists. I think that's one of the things, right? Like integration and connectivity. And I do see that a lot in Reno that I didn't see in Portland is like in Portland, I saw more of a divide between the people moving in and the people who had lived there. I feel like Reno is pretty good about weeding out the people who are not going to work here and keeping the people that serve Reno and people love Reno so hard. There's so many people that stayed here that grew up here. And there's so many people that left and came back because Mm -hmm. Reno is like gritty and really, really real and has like an essence to it that I haven't found other places. And then I think the newcomers come in and the right ones really see that. And they're like, is my ride or die. I love this city and I'll, I'll do anything for it. And I think that the people who have been here the whole time, like appreciate that, you know, and are like, okay, like we could all work together. And that coming together, I think is really what saves this place. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. I just read this New York Times article that was all about gentrification, and they were talking about Spokane, Washington, which is, like, coming up next, you know? Like, it's the the Reno of 10 years ago or whatever. There's really, like, no stopping it. It's this, like, capitalist... It only works if you continually expand and consume. That's how capitalism is. so there's no stopping it, you know, and the mayor there was like saying how like, oh, we've always wanted to create more jobs and more economic stability for our people here and they finally have all these jobs and now there's nowhere to live right because it's the same problem. you know, I'm an anarcho-socialist dude, like we have to topple the <laughs> system for this to change like I don't know how to I don't know how to solve it, but I'm just here trying to do community work like that's all yeah.
0: I feel like it's a nearly impossible challenge to make growth completely sustainable and completely fair and equitable, but we need to try. As much as we dislike it, we do have this capitalist system that requires constant growth. If we're not growing, then you get cities that are declining and populations are moving out and jobs are being lost. And um, that's pretty bleak too. So finding the right way to do things, I don't know. But I think that there's nothing wrong with saying I can't solve the problem of capitalism, I can't solve the problem of housing costs, but I can work on building community. I can do my part as far as helping us support each other. And I think that's enough. You know, I think that we put a lot of pressure on ourselves sometimes to solve systemic things that we don't have control over, but there's nothing wrong with saying that's a systemic thing that I can't actually solve myself. So I'm going to do the thing that I can do. Yeah. Um, So I appreciate that attitude around. It is what it is kind of, there are things that we can't control but let's do our best in the system that we have for now, you know, until until we topple capitalism. Let's do the best we <laughs> can under the system we, we have. <laughs> right? Yeah. In the meantime, tell me about the Punk Rock Flea Market. So that is coming up, I think, it, in a couple months. It's a, a vendor event where there's music, there's vendors. What's the Punk Rock Flea Market like? How is it different from other events? What makes it special for the vendors and the shoppers?
1: It's the best event. <laughs> <laughs> I made the Punk Rock Flea Market because it's like the event that 13 year old wanted me to make, you know, like 13 year old me was like, yeah, hell yeah, let's do this. And I, I love it so much because I see 13 year olds there who are just like, hell yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's working. <laughs> but so basically it's a flea market. It's over 100 vendors. Our target for this one, I think, is about 140, 150 vendors. That's everything from local painters to nonprofits to mutual aid groups runs the gamut of what you're going to find there. On top of that, we have a stage where we have live bands, live punk rock bands, metal bands playing the whole time. And we have a car smash station. So we stack cars up in a pyramid or we hang cars and you could just beat the shit out of them with different weapons that our artists have created in the metal shop. We have like a morning star that like Ted like hand forged. It's pretty epic. And any age range, like you just have to sign a waiver and you could have like your three-year-old be the shit out of this car. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Some other highlights are we always have drag queen story time in the morning for the kiddos and the adults. And we have possum pile, which is like literally a tarp on the ground and everyone comes and just throws their clothes onto the tarp. And then people just spend... Some people just come just for the possum pile and they just dig through it and... Uh, In 2020, I actually got like a brocaded silk dragon robe that I found in the possum pile and I wear it all of the time. You get some sick finds in there. It's really cool. And then we have like kind of like activity stations where you could do different things like scene making or like make a button, that kind of stuff. We had the Reno Skate Alliance come and they had like a whole area where you skate. This year, we're going to have a half pipe and I'm also working on securing a bouncy Castle house and uh inflatable slide. And we're making a gladiator pit that's gonna be full of old tires as well as donated stuffed animals. So it's the five year anniversary and I'm really trying to go above and beyond with it, you know? Food trucks, you know, of course. There's somebody that just reached out to us because they have a, a curiosity and oddities like whole thing that you walk through, I guess that they want to come from California and set it up in the back. And I'm like, sure, whatever, you know, it's a very Mm -hmm. like, yes, let's just do it. Whatever crazy things you guys want to do. And then also my roommate, I think is going to bring his, he has like this um, accessibility RPG shuttle bus. So he's going to bring it and then he's going to run like D&D campaigns outside by the food trucks all weekend too. So it's a whole weekend event. And then we have um, pre-party and after-party shows all around town at different venues as well. So it's pretty massive. In 2020, we had like, almost 4,000 people attend.
0: Oh, rad. Um, When is it going to be? What are the dates?
1: April 30th and May Day. Yes.
0: Excellent. You mentioned zines briefly, and I know you used to run a magazine called Burn After Reading that was about Burning Man. Oh, you really did your research. Well, one of the common things that I've seen around the generator, and also I know the Holland Project, just generally like community art events, I have seen these zine making and zine workshops I know very little about the zine community, but I know that's a huge part of the arts world. So a lot of people don't know anything about zines. Can you explain what a zine is, what the appeal of zine making is, why that's such an integral part of the generator and of our arts community, not just here in Reno, but basically everywhere they do art. Lots of places.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so we do a community zine. It's called Generate the Zine and we do it every quarter and anybody can send in their art. It's like really collaborative. And so what a zine is, it's it's basically like a magazine. What's crazy about it is that they started in the 1950s. It was actually people were really into sci fi. I don't know if you guys have heard about this (laughs) back in the day, like in the 50s, people were like very about it. And they wanted to self-publish, so they would just like write on a piece of paper their sci-fi stories, and then they would like Xerox copy them and distribute them all over the place. So it's kind of like fan fiction. Um, and then in the '90s, that kind of vibe happened again, where people were doing a lot of activist work, and there was like Riot Girl culture, a lot of you know anarchy and feminism and all that good stuff. So people started doing the same thing, where they would like write out these little zines, like cut out a magazine. Clippings and like paste it to paper and then Xerox it and distribute it just to their friends and whatever. So it's always been this kind of like underground DIY way to kind of disseminate information through all of the different back end channels. Yeah. And then I think we got away from it as we kind of grew into, you know, having the internet. It's kind of the precursor to the internet in some ways, you know. Mm. And I, like, I really like coming back to it because you get really interesting things when you just do a call out and you say like, here's a loose theme and everyone kind of like throws their stuff in together. And then you also start having these conversations and this cross-pollinization, which I'm like all about, right? Like that's the core of community building and it's really accessible. We have like the most diverse group working on the scene. And I attribute that to the fact that it's like so easy. You can email us and send your stuff in, or you can come to a zine workshop and they're free and we have all of the art supplies, or you can just like mail in your, your page, or you can walk in and drop off your page. And then we print it, you know, and we print your art. So that's pretty cool. I love it. That's awesome.
0: This episode we're recording now, I think is going to be out on March 15th and you have a zine release event on the 17th. Is that right? Yes.
1: Yeah. At Hub Coffee Roaster's.
0: Yeah. So what, what's what's that going to look like? What is that event? It's
1: our first release party that we've ever done. Um, we got a grant from the city of Reno. So now we can actually throw these parties at different places around town. And it's just going to be where we have the zine and you can come and see it. The zine for this quarter is Hive. It's like kind of about springtime. And yeah, it'll just be like coffee and the magazine and a bunch of people who contributed to it all hanging out and talking about their artwork and sharing And it'll be really fun. Totally free, totally community. Come on out.
0: Awesome. And so that's on Thursday, the 17th from what was it? Six to eight. Six to eight. Come after work. Right on. And you also host a podcast called Signal Boost. I mentioned that a little bit earlier. I was on your podcast. I think podcasting is a really great way to communicate with people. I found this show that I'm doing to be really, really rewarding as far as creating conversations. And I know the goal of Signal Boost is really to highlight local makers, creative people, mutual aid groups. There's a little bit of everything on it. How long have you been doing Signal Boost? What's the the general idea behind it? And what's your experience been like so far doing the podcast thing?
1: It's been amazing. Uh, the general vibe is, is like, it's amplifying Northern Nevada. So just the cool people sharing their stories, what they're doing, um, anything that you're doing, like literally, that's awesome. We wanna talk about it. So we'll have all different kinds of people on the show. like. Like you said, it's been a year that we've been doing it and it's been really amazing. We've connected with so many different people and it's also led us down some like really fun new rabbit holes of art and collaboration and just friendships, you know, and connections. It's, Kind of cool because networking is kind of the basis of all things, right? Like you always hear that where people are like, well, it's all about who you know. And even though that sucks in some ways, <laughs> it's just it's just how humans are. If you think if somebody's got a job or they need something done and you have a person that you respect and that, you know, you're connected to, of course, you're going to, you know, it'd be kind of not cool if you didn't support them and be like, Hey, you should pick this person. I know them Mm -hmm. and they're cool. So what happens by doing signal boost is like, then our network just grows, you know, all of us, like we all benefit by being more connected and having each other as a resource. So there's so many people that I met through the boost and now I like you know, like Zakia will like do our graphic design work or I don't know, just like all different kinds of people like that. Or like I have like a photographer friend or have like four photographer friends now and like real estate agent friend and like, I don't know, all different kinds of things, right? So it just creates like a more expansive and healthy community and network. And and I've really enjoyed that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, on that same topic of kind of connecting and building community, not just on the individual level, but on the kind of organizational level, Have you found that The Generator has a lot of good working relationships with other organizations in town, arts organizations? You mentioned the city itself, I think, has been really supportive of The Generator. What does that look like as far as The Generator's collaboration with other organizations and groups in the area? Is that a big part of what lets it be successful?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely been like a really big thing for me. You know, like coming on here, I've been the communications director for five years now, and we are kind of insular. Insular? Whatever it is, uh, in the beginning, you know, like not purposefully, but we just kind of were like a group of friends making art, you know, and then those friends, friends. And it was easy to just kind of like not even really pay attention to that, right? Like we're all just here, we're just making sculptures. And whoever comes in, like they're rad and they just start making sculptures with us, but we're not doing a lot to get out there, you know, we're not doing a lot to be connected to the rest of the city. We're just kind of our little art group over here. So I've been really working at trying to open us up more, feel like a more accessible place, make those deeper connections, especially with populations who just kind of didn't even know we existed, right? Because how would they? If you don't go to Burning Man, you don't really know. Like, maybe you see the space Whale well downtown, but you don't know who made it. And you don't think you could possibly make something like that. Uh, but you can. And we're here to make that happen. So yeah, I think I think we've really grown to have a lot of strong connections now, and I'm I'm pretty stoked about the future. And we're constantly forging new ones for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Speaking of new connections, I know you've been in the news recently because Reno local Jeremy Renner is filming a TV show at the Generator. It's I don't know that much about it, but it's renovating vehicles, something like that. Can you talk a little bit about what that that show is or or how that connection came about?
1: Yeah, they're actually right outside my door right now filming. The show. I can't talk about it too much, I guess, because I'm just not supposed to. But no. uh, they, yeah, they just they came here. They were looking for a warehouse, warehouse space to film the show. And the basis of it is like modding out vehicles like ambulances or fire trucks or city bus or shuttle bus. And then I don't fully understand. But then like they make them, they change them. In different ways to help serve specific nonprofits, and then they gift them to those nonprofits. So it really aligned with what we do, and we were not open anyway, so we have the space, and uh, we're getting paid, and then we get to put all that money back into buying new tools and supplies. So it was kind of like a win-win. We were like, okay, so I guess so. When someone shows up and they're like, we want to do a thing that's pretty good for people, and we're going to pay you, you're like, all right, I guess.
0: I guess that sounds okay. <laughs> right on. That's great. Off topic of generator stuff. Tell me about clowning. When we met for signal boost, you <laughs> I'm going to make you talk about clowning because we we met for signal boost and you said you were, you know, going to go out in your clown gear. I was like, whatever that looks like. And then I saw you post on Instagram or Facebook or something and it was legit you and all your friends decked out in full clown outfits. And it seemed like so much fun. Can you just talk about <laughs> about your uh your experience with the clown life? what is that what does that look like why why are you drawn to it? Sure, I just think it's such a fun and interesting thing that I had never really heard of in you know I mean I know that clowns are a thing, but I've never met anyone who is a recreational clown so t- <laughs> t- tell me <laughs> tell I don't me about know.
1: I honestly don't know if I consider myself a recreational cl- clown. I guess I do now We're currently um Planning my birthday party, which is gonna be like a clowning intensive weekend with my my clown troop. And the I guess the official name for the clown troop now is the Royal Reno Roustabout About Rodeo. So we're gonna have an Instagram. By the time that you're listening to this podcast, you can go right now and look up the Instagram. Uh yeah. You know what? I don't even know how it came about. I just like dressed like a clown for Halloween. I never really even cared or liked clowns, but I do, I am so obsessed with RuPaul's Drag Race. I've been obsessed with drag queens my whole life. I've been really entrenched in gay culture forever, thanks to my Aunt Cheryl, who uh, is a fabulous bisexual lady. And when I was nine years old, I was like, oh, what? This is possible? Yes. (laughs) She like really changed my life. So drag culture always was really fascinating to me. And I love the idea of being able to be this character, the strong, empowered femme character, you know, not necessarily femme, but a lot of times that's really exaggerated, you know, and I was always kind of bummed because I was like, I can't be a drag queen, you know, but I, I love it. Like I super love it. And then I did like some clowning for Halloween and I went out and danced as a clown for hours. And just, I was like, Oh, this is actually kind of similar in a way. Like I get to be this really fun character that's like the id of myself, you know, in some ways. And it's just like a really pure performance kind of thing. And it's really stylized. And I get to go find cool costumes and put on a lot of makeup. And then I just dragged a bunch of my friends into it. (laughs) I was like, hey, you know what we need to do? Be clowns. And they loved it. Like I was saying, kind of with like having a third space, it's kind of also like having the space to express herself fully and not just have to be a mom or have to be, you know, an office worker or have to just like be a person with a mortgage or a person that pays their rent. Like we get trapped into these like things we just have to do as adults. And we actually could do a lot more fun shit, you know, if we just had like a group of friends that was willing to like do weird stuff. With You Mm -hmm. you
0: know, yeah, I know. I think that that embrace of fun is really important. And it's something that I kind of struggle with because I made the mistake at some point. I don't know when a decade ago or something of thinking, oh, I'm not really a fun person or a funny person. And so every time there's this opportunity to be fun or funny or silly, my brain is just like, oh, no, that's not you. But then I see how much fun it is to kind of let go and embrace being a fun or a silly or a creative person. And I'm like, oh, man, I shouldn't have told myself I was not a fun person because now I feel like I'm missing out. So I think that leaning into those things is probably really helpful to, you know, have a a better sense of lightheartedness sometimes. You know, it is an escape from the seriousness to just be fun. And I think that's something that that I struggle with and probably a lot of other people do too when you're so attached to this idea of being a serious grown up.
1: For sure. And you know what? I'm a sad clown. So you don't have to be funny or fun. You can come be a sad clown with me. That's my whole thing is I'm just sad. The whole, I the entire time that I'm in my clown persona, I'm just like a crybaby. But it's, it's super great because I'm a highly emotional person, but I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm like, I guard that pretty heavily because I always have to be the strong one. You know, that's been a trope for me. So I don't, like emote very hard in front of people. So getting to be a crybaby clown is really soothing for me and just be like, I'm everything's really a bummer, you know, and not have to be the cheerleader for everybody, but instead just be like, uh, you know, like sad. Uh so for my birthday we're gonna go and we're gonna I I was like, look, we're all gonna be gothic Wild West clowns and everybody has to be sad. And that's it. We're just gonna have a sad weekend being beautiful <laughs> cowboy clowns. <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. How do you think Reno does generally as far as supporting the arts community and making us an art city? That's been a big trend in recent years of trying to get away from just being a casino town to being an arts and culture kind of town. Do you think that Reno is doing a good job of that? And what would you like to see more of if we really do want to be a destination for artists, not just to create art, but like a place where artists can live and work and for have a sustainable artistic future for Reno. How are we doing? What, what do you think we should be doing? Uh, what's your general take on Reno as an art city?
1: Oof. Uh, we're not doing good. (laughs) You know, like we have a lot, we're trying to create opportunities. I see, I see the city trying to create opportunities for artists for sure. Um, but unfortunately I think it's not enough. And, there's no place for us to live. You know, I'm so lucky. I was able to buy a house in 2018. My grandparents gave me seven K and I like worked my butt off and went to a bunch of like classes about home ownership and like did all this stuff so that I could buy my, like my house that's literally in a floodplain and is like singing into the ground And so I'm, I'm okay though, because I have my space. And then now I have a bunch of artists that live with me because it's like one of the last affordable spaces, you know, and I'm constantly like, I wish I could fit more people. Like I wish I had more infrastructure and I could have more people live out here, but also whatever, not everybody wants to live on a farm with a bunch of weirdos. Like that doesn't work for everybody either. But yeah, I don't, I I don't see how we're going to be sustainable and actually have the true artists that made this space so good stay i don't know every day i hear about somebody that's getting evicted or somebody that's losing their space or someone whose rent went up by 500 dollars. i don't know how it's gonna work like yeah reno if you just want a bunch of like tesla bro douchebags to live here i guess you're doing a good job but it's the same deal where it's capitalism like i don't know how to make it better and i don't think the city really knows either yeah, we're like in a weird like tech casino standoff in some ways too. I feel like with the development, that's just Mm -hmm. like doesn't work out well for the normal human. I don't know. I was looking at houses. I was like, oh, maybe I'll go out to Fallon and I'll buy more land. It's not even affordable in Fallon. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That's crazy. You can't even move all the way to Fallon and get a house for under 400K.
0: Right. Yeah, I don't know the answers either. I'm, I'm glad that there is attention being paid to making Reno either like branded as or marketed as an art city, because I do think that's important that even if we're not solving the housing crisis, even if there are economic factors out of our control, I'd much rather be a city that has at least some intent around creating art and culture. But yeah, the economic factors, I don't know the answer to. And I, I don't know that anybody does. Like you said, even the city, I don't think really knows how to fix the problems that we have Uh, And it's not just Reno, it's, you know, you you mentioned Spokane, like all of these cities all around the West Coast, I think are struggling with very similar issues.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like just affordable housing, like how do we create more of it? And I don't know, like maybe, maybe if the city of Reno just pays like a lot more artists, a lot more money, and they only pay locals so that you could afford a $1,600 apartment, but then everyone's going to complain about potholes because that's just how it goes. You know and that? Cause mm-hmm. then people are like, why are artists getting paid when our infrastructure, even though those are two totally separate budgets that have nothing to do with each other. Like I, it's just like constant conflict because mm-hmm. people don't have enough, you know, it's just, that's what happens with scarcity. Like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I think that's also why the generator's cool. Cause we're at least like, we try to pay artists. We try to give people tools and resources to get paid and, connections to make more money and just do what we can to be like, help you help you fix your bike and make a poster. I don't know if it's gonna make your life better, but we're here trying, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the important thing. How can people connect? Well, when is the generator open again? That's, I guess, a good question. I don't know if you have an actual opening date again. But in the meantime, how can people connect and see what's going on? What kind of events are happening that people can check out?
1: We're supposed to be open by April 2nd. I think that's a realistic goal. I don't know if we'll be like full, full capacity, um, full swing, because we do still need to put in some infrastructure things. Like we have to get dust collection for the wood shop and some ventilation things, but we'll be open. The doors will be open for people to come in and see it by April 2nd. Like put that on your calendar. And then also like by the flea market, which is that the end of April, April 30th, May 1st, will be fully, fully going. So make sure that you're coming to that because it's going to be ridiculous and it's five bucks. So it's super cheap to get in just party. Yeah. But if you want to just find what we're doing, you can go to the renogenerator.com and also follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We're just the uh, Reno generator. Instagram is like the best. I'm always posting stuff and I am, I'm the person behind the, the curtain with everything. So If you message the flea market, or if you message signal boost, or if you message the generator, I'm the person that answers. So hey, what's up? It's me. Don't be afraid. We have a studio artist form on our website, and we have a build space form on our website. So if you want to get a studio space, or if you want a build space, you should fill out the forms and we'll get back to you pretty quickly. And it's not that much money. So I mean, it's a little bit, but it's not a ton. So we're here for you. Sign up. Do the thing.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Like I said, I did not know that much about the generator, except it's an art space, which is such a vague description. So it's been great to learn more about all of the things that you do. And I appreciate you having me on Signal Boost. That was very fun to chat with you on your own podcast. And I'm excited about all the stuff that's coming up for the generator, especially having been closed for a while, the excitement about kind of coming back, especially since it's been such a central place for the artistic community in Reno in the past to have that available again, to have that coming back. I'm sure for the entire artistic community in Reno is really, really exciting. So I appreciate you coming on the show to talk about it and uh, hopefully get the word out that people can check it out. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me.
1: It was great to talk to you.
0: Listeners. Thank you so much for checking out this week's episode of Reno and special thanks to my guest, Jesse Janicey from the generator. Please make sure that you check out the punk rock flea market. That's on April 30th and May 1st. And just check out the generator in general. It seems like a really cool place. I'm really excited that they are reopening and I'm very grateful that Jesse came on the show to tell me all about it. If you enjoyed this episode or any other, please do me a favor. I know I ask every week, spread the word, let people know about the podcast. I have really, really enjoyed doing all of these episodes and all of these conversations, but there are so many people in Reno who don't even know the show exists yet. So that's where you come in. Please tell your friends, tell your family, post on social media, Spread the word. Word of mouth is the most important thing for a podcast like this. It really makes all the difference between whether it is successful and people hear these conversations and I can grow, or if it just ends up being my same regular listeners week after week, which is great. I am so thankful for anyone who's tuning into the episode, but I would love for more people to know that the show exists. So spread the word, tell your friends. I really, really appreciate it. Also, if you have a moment, please leave me a positive review on Apple Podcasts. That also helps people find the show. And that's all I've got for you this week. See you next time.